Podcast, and she's none other than Pooja Bunzo. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really thrilled to be here. Of course. Um, this is a very momentous moment for me, for the podcast, because you're essentially my very first guest. And the reason I wanted to have Pooja on was because every time we meet, we have these really introspective interesting conversations about life about relationships about what she does which we'll get into it a little bit and i just thought it'd be so fun to have her on the show and um, have you get to know her a little better as well so a bit about puja she's a nutritional therapist yeah and when she first told me that i was like what <laughs> not your everyday occupation so i really wanted to i really wanted her actually to share more about what she does and her goal of changing the world with food yeah yeah, yeah. okay so puja tell us what do you do exactly what do you do as a nutritional therapist okay so as a so the word nutritional therapist and nutrition nutritionist is similar we basically both do the same things i um not only just look at food but i look at lifestyle i look at sleep i look at mental and emotional states um, and probably that's where all our introspective conversations come in and sometimes <laughs> i feel like i'm speaking to a mirror because you sort of mirror the exact same a mindset that I have and you know the this constant quest for learning and the Aww. constant quest for bettering myself and and I think as as not just a nutritionist but as a human being how important that is and wouldn't the world be such a better place if we all had a little bit more of a positive mindset and I agree especially with everything that is happening in the world at the moment you know mm. with with COVID being so hard on everyone. And um, I think this has really given me a time to qu quieten down the outside world and to be introspective. Mm -hmm. But again, you know, at the end of the day, I am a nutritionist. <laughs> <laughs> I work with food. Food is medicine to me. I have personally seen the transformation of how food can heal the body. Um, and I, like most other nutritionists, came into this wonderful world of nutrition through my own health challenges. And, um, and there's been many, but like some of the big ones that stand out was a complete burnout after having my first child. And then I changed my life, the way I ate, uh, sleep, you know, became a priority. My exercise changed. Um, mentally, emotionally, I started looking at the world differently. And then in 2015, um, my family and I moved to Taiwan. And that, that's when, you know, most of my health issues started, you know, with gastrointestinal symptoms, migraines. And then you, 
one thing leads to another and then you end up having this burnout again um, and that's when I thought you know what enough is enough I'm gonna study nutrition and I'm gonna change my life for good that's your story right there there you know like it takes it takes a complete breakdown of something that doesn't work for you to build back up or build something new oh yeah and it's interesting that you said it took a burnout for you to realize that what you were putting into your body wasn't serving you mm. so I know you mentioned that you first experienced it after the birth of your first child but so many of us can relate to a burnout right whether it's a physical burnout or a mental burnout and especially with what we're doing like you know even people my age like we're always chasing the next thing that a burnout is almost like it's a it's a normal occurrence anymore but like when I actually you know did some research about what the burnout actually is there's a lot of science behind it and to reach an actual burnout is when a particular hormone in your body yeah is completely off balance right so yeah. you're the best person to talk about the science behind the burnout. You know, what we call the burnout has an actual fancy ass name. <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's called adrenal dysfunction. And it's basically um, your adrenal glands are the ones that are pumping out the stress hormones, so the adrenaline, noradrenaline, cortisol. And our bodies, even though they're so amazing, are so primal. So we've been primed to take a certain amount of stress, which is called hermetic stress. Um, but we, so, you know, our bodies are designed to run away from tigers because we're so primal. I'm going back to the ancient days. And, but see, we would either get, we would either fight, or, sorry, not fight. We would either just run from the tiger or we'd get eaten. So that was our <laughs> body's response to stress. But nowadays, stress is in all kinds of forms. So mental stress, emotional stress, physical stress, sitting in a car, you know, traffic lights, that stress, getting to the grocery store and realizing that you've run out of your favorite, you know, fruit, that stress. So we're constantly bombarded with so much more uh, these days. And it's just about how your brain handles it. And this all, so I talk about how the gut is the epicenter of health. Everything I do is linked back to the gut. Hippocrates said millions of years ago, all disease starts in the gut. And now through research, we have proof that people who are more stressed, more anxious, have disrupted my... So when I talk about gut, I talk about microbiome. And these words I'm going to use interchangeably. And our microbiome is basically the trillions of bacteria that live in our gut. So most people hear about good bacteria, bad bacteria, you need more of the good, less of the bad, but it's actually not that simple. We have good and bad, but we need a diversity of it. So when I talk about microbiome, we need microbial diversity. So we need, and that all comes through food. So people with good guts, can handle stress better. Mm. So thinking back to my days of the burnout, I probably wasn't eating as well as I should have, or maybe not even eating enough, you know, because anyone who has a child or who's trying to take care of, you know, a family, especially with women, we put ourselves on the back seat 
so often. Mm -hmm. And I now, you know, educate women and say, look, you are the thread that holds the family together. You have to take care of yourself and then you can take care of your family. So it, you know, stress is such an interesting topic because, you know, kid, going back to research, it's like kids who have spent more time with their parents have a higher threshold to stress because they just weren't, you know, um, exposed to stress as a, as a young child. Kids who were breastfed have more tolerance to stress. Kids who were born normally were, you know, vaginally or C-section, you know, they have more tolerance to stress. Mm -hmm. People with stronger guts can just handle a lot more. Um, so yeah, everything goes back to the gut. It's just, I, I just, I can bring everything back to the gut. I can even bring like, got COVID back to the gut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's really, that's really insightful. And I think this is so important to hear because um, so often when we think about medicine, we yeah. don't think about food. No. You know, yeah. we think about having a pill and having it solve our problems, right? Yeah. In all sense of the word. So looking at food as functional medicine, I feel is not, is not particularly common. Yeah. Yeah. So it's great that like we're having this conversation right now. Yeah. Because I believe people who are listening to this would be like, Oh my God, she's a nutritional therapist. Let's talk about the diets. <laughs> yeah. Because I believe the clients that come to you have very specific wants or goals. What do you think is the most common goal that they've come to you with? Oh gosh, I, I can't pinpoint just one because I've had a whole host of you know various ailments. So I've worked with autoimmune disorders. I've worked with genetic disorders. I've worked with things that are as simple as weight loss, mm -hmm. high cholesterol. Um, gosh, I've lately I've had a lot of gastrointestinal issues. Yeah. So things like acid reflux, bloating, constipation, IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome. Um, and yeah, the, I mean, I look at the gut with everything so if someone comes comes and tells me I have high cholesterol yes let's change your diet but let's also work on that microbiome of yours um, weight loss yeah we got to work on that microbiome genetic disorders autoimmune disorders we know up, leaving genetic disorders aside because that's inborn mm -hmm. but autoimmune conditions you know when your body's attacking your own body it's all linked to disruptions of your gut barrier so I'm a huge proponent of using food as medicine. You know, there is no magical pill. Yes, there's pills out there that you can take for high cholesterol and autoimmune conditions, but what is the core? Where do you, I have to get to the essence of your problem. And the essence of your problem is how you're eating. And that is what I wanna change with the information that I have and you know I just want to put this out there that there's got to be this paradigm shift with the way we look at health and disease you know it's not a life sentence to have a, a certain disease even if it doesn't get better a hundred percent by changing your diet you may bring down your symptoms by 80 percent 
And wow. then you just live with the 20%. Because sometimes things don't always resolve 100%. Mm-hmm. But think about the quality of life you know, someone can have by just making simple, sustainable changes. And that's what I'm all about. I don't like things that are too complicated. Unfortunately, at times I do have to eliminate stuff. But I try to put in stuff before I eliminate stuff. But I think that I think that there's this conversation needs to be started about, you know, about food, food yeah. being a priority. And it's not that hard. You know, we in nutritional therapy, we constantly tell our clients, eat the rainbow, which basically means eat a whole host of variety. I love that. Yeah. It's just have your plants, have your vegetables. You know, I'm a big proponent in eating meat. You know, I think people steer away from red meat thinking it's going to raise their cholesterol. And, oh, you know, red meat has some important minerals. It's interesting that you said that because there was a moment in time, particularly, I think, last year, when everybody was watching the Game Changers on Netflix. Everyone was a vegan overnight, right? I'm going to cut out meat completely, yes. <laughs> especially red meat. So I want to know what your, what your thoughts are on that in particular, just not eating meat at all and mm-hmm. what the contrast is, which mm-hmm. is the caveman diet. Yeah. Right. What are your thoughts on either one of these diets in particular? Oh gosh, I'm gonna start on my soapbox. <laughs> so I will be the first one to admit I did not see the game changers. Okay. Because I just thought so. I just had a lot of feedback from my peers, and um, you know they just said, yeah, there's a you know. So when it comes to veganism and you know paleo paleo paleolithic diets. I believe, and I, I mean, you know, don't quote me on this. I'm sure there's lots of, I'm not trying to offend any vegetarians or vegans out there because <laughs> if it works for you, do it. Yeah. I think it all ends up being down to genetics. If you, if you are one of those people who thrives on having a little bit of meat and fish and, you know, like having, having a balanced diet, go for it. I personally eat meat. I have my red meat. I have my fish. I have my plants. I have my fruits. Um, so it is all about what works for you. And I think that a lot of the vegetarians um, or vegans, they have to supplement. Like supplementing, because B12, vitamin B12 only comes from meat. So um, they have to be on a lot of supplementation. So for you to get the amount of protein that you would get in some, in some meat, you know, versus a protein shake, then you've got to see what else is going in that protein shake. Are there fillers in there? Are there anti-caking agents in there? Um, you know, why can't you get all this from food? You know, even, I mean, and yeah, there's quinoa, there's, you know, protein and vegetables. There's, if you're eating eggs or having, I think vegans don't have dairy. So yeah, if you're having eggs and stuff, but, um, it really all ends up being down to genetics. I see people who thrive on veganism and vegetarianism. And then I see people who go vegan for a little while and it works really well. And then a year later, they're they get their blood reports and they're so low in iron, they're so low in other minerals, uh, selenium, zinc, and so then they start eating meat and they feel amazing. 
Mm-hmm. So that's that's listening to your body. Mm-hmm. That's listening to what your your innate needs are. And I think everyone that's the amazing thing about nutrition is everyone is so individual. There is no one diet that fits all. Mm-hmm. Everybody eats differently. Mm-hmm. And certain things work for some people. Grains work for some people. Grains don't work for some people. Legumes work for some people and they don't work for other people. So I think it's all about finding what's right for you. And I feel that's probably where I shine because when people come to see me, they start to become so aware of their bodies that usually on the second or third appointment, they say, you know, well, I had some hummus and it didn't sit well with me. And then I'm like, that's your body's way of telling you that that food isn't right for you. So listen to your body. I think your body's always talking to you, whether it's through skin issues, acne, aches and pains. Mm-hmm. You know, there is, it's always talking to you. All comes down to that gut feeling that we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is, this is where we go deeper into it, right? Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I, I remember having this conversation with Pooja about how she's backed up by science, yeah. right? Everything she's telling me right now is backed up by science. It's what she studies. It's what she's good at, what she loves. So I asked her, you know, what's her opinion on the gut feeling? Because when you talk about the gut, you think about it in different ways. You know, the gut is what are you eating, but also what are you feeling, right? Yeah. And so I wanted to know, like, what are your thoughts on this magical, mythical... <laughs> all-knowing gut feeling no it's real the gut feeling is real and I think it's just so we know that the gut and the brain is connected to a nerve called the vagal nerve and so it goes all the way from the brain down to your gut and vagal means wanderer there's a nerve that wanders down into your gut but i think what at at the essence like scientifically we know that they're connected we know that the brain is always talking to the gut and the gut is always talking to the brain and so i live my life following this gut feeling and whether you call it intuition or whether you just feel like it's your own innate voice speaking to you Mm -hmm. i think your gut feeling is always going to keep you safe it's just that feeling that you get that just knows knows exactly if we had this conversation like years ago yeah you know i'd be like i'd be like a hundred percent on board and be like yes i know i know what you're talking about always trust your intuition right and I'm not and I'm not saying like right now I'm not doing that because a lot of what I'm doing right now is is just following my intuition which is hella scary sometimes yeah but I do have some moments where I'm like how do I know how do I know that this is my intuition talking and not fear speaking to me not anxiety coming up right yeah how can you tell i think that is the question that's always popping up i think based on research as well they come from a they actually come from the same place they come from a place of protection yeah and it's interesting that you said as human beings you know 
back in the day, our ancestors needed that, right? To tell them, do you run from the tiger or you fight it? Or you get eaten, yeah, right? You get <laughs> if you eaten. don't fight it. Yeah. And I think most people have this question, right? Like, okay, if I get this feeling, is it good enough to act on it? Or is it just a voice that I should just fend off, mm. you know? Mm. I think fear, again, comes from the brain. And then if your brain can send butterflies into your stomach, then your <laughs> stomach can send feelings of calmness to your brain as well. Yeah. So when you mention fear, I, I, I feel that that is... That again is your brain talking to your gut and you can listen to it or you can choose to ignore it or see it's always this do I take the path less taken or do I just go go with it and sometimes you just can't take either path and you just it's okay to just be in that standstill Mm -hmm. and say I don't know whether to go right or left so I'm just gonna be here and I'm gonna see where this feeling takes me mm-hmm. so it does you know people always say that life speaks to you in whispers right I'm one of those people by the way I can't hear whispers <laughs> I have a very strong threshold to discomfort and pain but then when you ignore those whispers oh. the universe speaks to you with a bang on the head <laughs> That I can hear. You weren't listening, so... (laughs) (laughs) I get that. Yeah. So I think your your intuition, your gut feeling is... Could be just you knowing. See, even that's kind of subjective, right? Because I feel like the same way your intuition could be the answer to your decisions... It's relative though, right? Because it can always change. It's like how I look at first impressions, right? Yeah. There's always this debate about whether you can trust your first impressions. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I go back and forth with this whole like, oh, just how accurate is this intuition or this gut feeling is because I found that over the years, first impressions change, you know? How many times have we had a first impression about someone only to have it you know, backfire or contrast down the line. And so to me, it's like if your first impression can change, so can your gut feeling, right? It can. And even with gut feeling, I mean, this is just, you know, speaking from my own experience. Like there were a lot of things in my life up to this point where I acted on gut feeling. Heck, like I was in a relationship where I thought I was going to marry this person, right? And... Puja, everything worked against me. It was like, clearly we had different values, you know. <laughs> clearly, was... clearly we're not growing. Yeah. And in my head, I was like, no, it's my gut feeling telling me that this is the one. This is the guy I'm going to marry, right? Yeah. We're not together. <laughs> yeah. He's marrying someone else. And like, I'm not salty about it. I know the way I said it might have sounded like it, but like, truly, no. you know, that part of my life is over. But it's just... Something I think about when I ask myself, just how much can we trust Mm. our intuition? Mm. Because at that point, it felt so real. It was like, no, I know this. That deep knowing that people talk about, that, oh, you just know. Mm -hmm. That was was me. Mm -hmm. Or was it your 
because you you just said that you weren't growing together. Clearly, the universe was working against you. <laughs> Maybe that was just you trying to convince yourself that you know this is the person you want to be with. You know, because if if a I feel like if there's problems in a relationship, and yeah, I'm no relationship expert here. Please, guys, I'm just talking. You know, but there's always. Um, you know as a person what's going on and some you know sometimes you choose to go with it and sometimes you choose to ignore it and so um i think i think you having that gut feeling that this is a person you're going to marry um may have been your own ideas of what marriage is wow you know, and and that could come from what you've seen with your families or what you've seen around you. And so, I mean, my my idea of what couples and marriage should be like has changed over the years because who I was sixteen years ago when I married my husband is not what I am today. And I've hopefully we've grown together and not you know apart although there are days where I do feel like we're doing our own thing <laughs> but um when I if you asked me 20 years ago what is marriage to me it was that definition was would be like oh it's all about falling in love <laughs> and you know just waking up with the same person yeah, and just you know because all because when you're younger all you can think about is just you're going to meet this perfect person and you're going to fall in love and that's going to be it. And that cannot be further from the truth, right? It's not because there is no perfect person out there. You have to make each other perfect for each other. Damn. Yeah. Damn. And it's, it's interesting that you said, you know, why my intuition at that point in time was telling me that this was the person I wanted to be with was related to how I saw marriage, right? How I saw relationships in general. Um, I think I read somewhere that a bunch of researchers also suggested that how well you listen to your intuition is actually influenced by how confident you are. Yeah. You know, and I think back to that time when I was like, to me, a relationship was about having someone you can depend on and i'm not saying you you can't depend you should be able to depend and rely on your partner right but it was a different kind of dependency it was like i trusted that person more than i trusted myself Mm. and it would make sense that my intuition would be telling me to hold on to that person because if that person is my safety net or my life boy why would I give it away right without it I'd be like I'd be drowning so this this has been pretty eye-opening talking about it yeah that person is what made you a confident like that person was sort of giving you feeding you what you needed at that time but real confidence you know the only real security that we have in life is self-belief and you've got to and i'm i'm learning this as well believe me that to be a confident person the only person you can depend on is yourself 
And so it's funny how you say that, that, you know, your intuition, if it's so strongly linked to confidence, how is that different from when in your, when you're in your twenties and thirties and forties, you know, and as you get older and older, hopefully we're getting wiser and more confident. So maybe our intuition, but you're absolutely right. If that's, if your intuition changes, then gut feeling changes as well, you know? So yeah, it's, it's really powerful that you're putting this out there mm-hmm. because I think a lot of girls need to hear that. Yeah. And that's one of my missions for this year is to really empower women into figuring out who they are and not being afraid to be put themselves out there and be different. Mm-hmm. Because I was always one of those women, girls, who was, I was always different. You know, I... I've always been a nerd, always been a nerd. And, but you know, that nerdiness worked for me. You know, I would rather dig my head in some research than go out and party. So I think, um, and I want people to know that, that it's okay to be different. And I think what you're putting out there and just with your podcast, I think is so powerful. I think a lot of girls need to hear this stuff because you cannot be codependent on a man or a boyfriend <laughs> to give you that on anybody on anybody yeah. it's got to be yourself you got to figure out who yeah. you are from the inside in case you know you're tuning in you're thinking oh man how do i how do i get better at listening to my intuition here's some science for you <laughs> <laughs> so a bunch of psychologists i believe they are at the uh, university of new south wales okay. in australia so they put together like a series of experiments to try to quantify intuition, right? Otherwise, it's just kind of woo-woo and like nobody really knows where to start, where to, where to end with this. So they tried to quantify it. And I think what they found was that when you listen to your gut, it actually increases your accuracy of predicting the outcome. Does that make sense? Ah, that's powerful. So if you choose to use intuition to inform your decisions, mm-hmm. you'll likely get the outcome that you want. Because you just told your brain that this is what I want. Exactly. And it goes back to self-belief. Yeah. And the second thing that I find is also quite a consolation is that you actually get better with listening to your intuition. Just like logic, just like reason, it takes practice so essentially science is telling you if you listen to it more you're practicing it you get better at it you there know you so maybe looking back i was like oh got burnt with that one right <laughs> <laughs> but that don't mean you give up you just keep listening to it and and see where it leads you and i think meditation right quietening down i mean we know through research that meditation decreases stress it increases the gray matter of the brain uh, your cognition gets better, your memory gets better, your learning gets better, you are more aware of the outside world. Um, so yes, you can get better at this gut feeling and this intuition and listening to your body, um, not just by, you know, practicing it more, but there's other methods as well. You know, I think there was a time in my life when I did yoga, a okay. lot of yoga, and I thought that this brain-body connection gets better with that and I think they have that you know 
yogis are very proud of that you know that they're so aware of their bodies um but no i think meditation plays a great role in that and there is this app called oak which i recommend to my clients quite frequently and it's got a loving kindness meditation and it's also got a mantra meditation um so yeah i'm just not a nutritionist i do (laughs) i do recommend other things as well she's very woke yeah I just I just taught Puja this term the other day. She was like, "What did you do? what?" <laughs> you said I was woke. <laughs> I call it awakened, <laughs> a state of being, <laughs> which essentially is that, right? Same but thing. you know, millennials, yeah. Gen Z, woke. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I mean, for those of you who don't meditate or just have trouble sticking to it, I think for me at least, you know, I I love very specific meditations you know the ones that are um about affirmations yeah you know guided meditations work better and that's always a good place to start but if it's something that you you kind of grapple with you know i think the essence of it and how to get better at listening to that voice is essentially quietening your mind the more you try to find that voice, the more you try to listen to it by telling yourself, I need to listen to it. I need to find it. What is this voice? The irony is that you're cutting off yourself from your gut instinct. It's through, I feel, the silence sometimes yeah. that the inner voice comes in and be like, hey, you know, like this is a nudge. Yeah. But without all the clutter, it gets easier, right, to cut through the bullshit. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, I don't think you can really do any introspection until you quieten down the outside world. Even if you have a hard time sitting back, you know, just get silent with yourself and do some introspection. And I'm, I'll be the first one to warn you, it can get deep and dark. Yeah, and that is part of the work. It is. No one wants to hear it. You know, I mean, when my therapist told me, you know, this work is hard, but it's worth it. I rolled my eyes so hard. (laughs) I feel bad just saying it, you know, but she knows me. I mean, we've been working for years, but yeah, this shit is hard. It is. But that is the work, you know, when shit comes up. Yeah. You deal with it. Absolutely. That's the work. And most people don't want to hear that, you know? Yeah. And once you put in that work, I can guarantee you, you will make less and less mistakes. Because you don't want to be a, a repeat offender, <laughs> as Matthew McConaughey would put it. <laughs> you don't want to be a repeat offender on the mistakes you've made. Yeah. And he's such a huge advocate of, of sitting in silence. And, oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, people like to call it finding themselves. And I know we've really... We really fashion that term, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's more than that, you know. It's it's how do you show up for yourself, right? In those moments where no one is watching. No one is seeing you do the work. Yeah. And it's okay to just sit back and say, Oh my God, I messed up. Or, Oh my God, I need to do better. Or, this is going to take months of healing. Or I'm going to cry my eyes out. Or I'm just going to, you know, leave these people aside because they've been toxic for me. Whatever your situation is, you know. I think it's okay 
for that time being for you to deal with things in whatever way you want to mm-hmm. as long as you're learning from that situation and moving forward you know if you're stuck in the spiral of like oh my god this is never going to end this is never going to end this is never going to end you're never going to get out of it because you know even after a downpour there is always sunshine the only way up from that place that you are is up you can't go any deeper than feeling like shit right because it's you've got you've got gravel you've got dirt you've got shit (laughs) just giving you an analogy but the only way to go from there is up so that's when that's the real healing that's the real work you know and yeah matthew mcconaughey always says talk to yourself you know, it's, there's nothing embarrassing. There's nothing silly about talking to yourself. You've got to talk to yourself. You've got to, whatever your form of healing is or, you know, introspection is, whether it's writing, through writing, reflective, reflection, talking to yourself, yeah. journaling, whatever it is, it's yeah. got to be done. It's great because you and I are so different, you know, as women. Yeah. You are so wise. <laughs> <laughs> Given your life experience, you know, the fact that you're married, you have a family and all. And even as someone who has a completely different set of priorities, Mm. you still prioritize yourself, you know, your self-development. And I just wonder, like, how does your husband feel about it? You know, because he has to be really supportive and understanding and probably really proud of you also that even as a mother, even as, you know, a nutritionist, you're still taking care of yourself yeah so he's he's always been very supportive of you know anything that I've done I mean when I wanted to study nutrition he was like go for it I mean he just he, he's a man of very few words he just said look you're a mother first a wife second he says you know my travel schedule so if you're gonna study something just make sure that you can handle it and He's like, I will support you in whatever, in whatever you want, but you have to make sure that it, it will work for your life. And I, there was not a single day that I didn't put dinner on the table. So I think, I don't think there's this, this balance, but I sort of integrated my studies into my life. And even as, even today, you know, I'm still doing my BSc honors in nutrition. So learning is something I will always do all my life. I think it's just one of my passions. But I think it is... I I feel that the reason the one of the reasons why I'm so good at what I do is because I have great intuition. I can see the twinkle in the eyes when people talk about food or their favorite food or what they don't want to give up or what makes them happy, what doesn't make them happy. And I can use that in my consultations to say, "Okay, this is what's important to you." let's bank on this let's work around this you know i don't want to take away something that someone really enjoys you know i i realize that food is such big source of happiness for people you know it, food brings people together i've been a lifelong foodie i don't want to be that person to tell you look you're never going to eat gluten again in your life you know because that I don't want to crush someone's heart like that, you know, but there are times when I will have to take out gluten. But if you take out gluten for a little while, let's fix your gut, you know, you may be able to introduce it back, 
you know, six months, a year from today, and then you weigh out your options. Is it worth introducing back? Most of my clients, 99% of them will say no, because it's made, you know, it makes such a huge change because when you give up something that's not working for you, you know, you feel better. You make space for better things. You make space for better things, exactly. Whether that's food or whether that's relationships <laughs> or whether that's friends or, you know, I, I mean, it's funny because, you know, I love this conversation because you're getting, you know, you're coming from the intuition side. I'm coming from the scientific <laughs> side. So it's how we blend it together. Yeah, and we meet in the middle. We do. I, I mean, I feel like I'm learning so much just hearing the science of it. Yeah. You know, and you're a scholar yourself like you you really study these things but i love that that hasn't taken you away from listening to your gut someone once told me that doctors are you know like doctors are the most religious people in the world because you know they don't have the answers sometimes miracles happen in these rooms where you know people just heal themselves and that's like that's when you know science you know all the science goes out the door because you're like okay well this person had a stage three cancer and this person has just fought all you know the options here and so where do you go from there you know then you're like well science said (laughs) (laughs) so you have to keep an open mind Mm -hmm. you have to keep an open mind and say look i don't have all the answers and that's where I think with me, I always tell my clients this, look, there's no guarantees when you're working with food, but I can tell you from anecdotal evidence that people do get better. It just takes a lot, a little bit more time, a little experimentation and more feedback from the client as well. Like this is working, this is not working for me. And that is where this relationship becomes bi-directional. It's not just me throwing things at you and say, do this, 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 this. I expect you to come back and say look I did this I couldn't do this this didn't work for me this is going to work for me because it's at the end of the day it's negotiation you know but yeah I mean it's um I always learn something from you and you always learn something from me (laughs) but I think I have to keep an open mind because I don't have all the answers and I'll be the first one to admit that and I think the the fact that you can I can tell clients that I don't know the answer is powerful. Just it's humbling, right? It is. Yeah. It is. I mean I don't know the answer, but I can go back and do some research for yeah. you. But I'll work with you to find it. Exactly. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. You know? And I think what I found with you know, listening to your gut is sometimes seventy percent is okay. Exactly. You don't need to have all the answers. You don't need to have all the answers. And then you just deal with your decisions. Whether they were right or wrong, you cannot go up and say, oh man, I should have listened to this. Or, oh man, I should have ignored it. Because you have to take responsibility of what decision you're going to make. And so 70% is okay. I wanted to share this quote that I came across today, which like really tickled me. If anxiety is a screaming three-year-old, then intuition is like a sweet grandmother knitting in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) And you can relate because you have kids, right? And you're like, oh my God, that cannot be more accurate. Accurate. The thing with intuition is that it's, it's always neutral. 
yeah go back to what keeps you centered absolutely but sometimes you know in the discovering of like an intuitive insight our responses to it might not be neutral because yeah. if it's telling you something that is going against the grain of what you're doing you're not going to react lightly to it right mm-hmm. it's like <laughs> when i told my parents yeah i want to marry this guy and she's like you might want to think again right i was like <laughs> i did not like the sound of that right yeah because we we always want people to affirm mm. what we believe mm. in ourselves mm. and so the response that you get when you have the intuitive insight might not always be the calm voice yeah that you're looking for yeah but again cut through the clutter and be like what is this telling me interesting that when your mom said that you want may want to rethink this marriage at that point you may have paused and thought okay why did my mom say that yeah what is her idea of marriage and companionship mm. that is different from yours see that's where the growing begins and yeah. that's where it starts because you're again you know your confidence mixed with your intuition with your gut feeling at that age is a lot different from what your mom's view of marriage totally would be yeah and i would think with her experience and stuff it would have been a lot different from yours i think when we're younger we're delusional yeah and also listen to your mom <laughs> There you go. Point blank. Listen to your mom. She's always right. Like there's intuition and then there's mom. <laughs> um, no, I think I think that's yeah. where the growing begins yeah. for you. And you know, you're a mother yourself. And we talked about, you know, relationships and how your idea of it has changed, right, over the years. Yeah. So, how do you see it differently now as compared to when you first married your husband? In your 20s, love is love is passion mm-hmm. love is you know sensual it's crazy it's mm-hmm. you know it's butterflies in your stomach yeah oh if he didn't give you butterflies in the stomach <laughs> oh all oh, hell's gonna break loose <laughs> if he didn't buy you flowers you know but i think as you get older your idea of love um, companionship partnership family changes um i would have never thought 20 years ago that i would be this person today but i think having a partner who supports my career who helps me raise my kids yeah um cuz i didn't see that in my family you know my dad brought home the bacon and my mom kind of took care of us you know like most of us here you know we it was my mom who did it all and i have a family where it's not exactly 50-50 but he puts in a good fair share of work so i think i think my idea of love is it's okay if he never buys me flowers it's okay if i have to go and buy my own birthday <laughs> gift myself <laughs> with the money he gave you <laughs> the money he gives me <laughs> you just had to add that didn't you yeah i did please please talk about the you told me about this you said you said he put money in your wallet 
he put money in my account. Yeah, yeah. And then he said, just go buy whatever you want. <laughs> and I was like, no, that's not how it's supposed to be done. <laughs> no, but for years I was happy with that, you yeah. know, because I was like, okay, you know, I'll do it. But now I'm just like, make the effort, man. Go out and buy me something, you know. <laughs> Because he's just, he thinks I'm very difficult to shop for. Uh-huh. And I feel the same for him. So I think that's worked bi-directionally. We worked, that has wor- served us both. But you're, my idea of love and relationships is just, yes, he's got to treat you right. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got to respect you. Respect comes first. Oh. You know, yeah. and respect in every way, not just with the way he treats you but respecting your body respecting your parents respecting your choices um and then you know just being supportive and growing together couples need to grow together and not apart i think that's what makes a healthy marriage and there are times when yes it shit gets hard you know especially if you have a spouse who travels a lot or has a high-flying career and that's the time that you have to sit and say okay what are what are these compromises that I'm making and are they worth it you know my husband travels a lot but I know he travels a lot for us to give me the life that you know he dreams of to send his kids to a good school so how could I hold him back for that you know I see how hard he works you know, it's not that I, I don't want to bash about it that, oh, my husband travels a lot. No, because it's not something that he, if he had a choice, he'd rather be home with his family. But so going back to my idea of marriage and love, it's different. You know, it is mm-hmm. it is evolved so much over the years to being love has become something so practical for me. Yeah, I mean, I just feel that woo-woo stuff is great. (laughs) But man, does it get played out. (laughs) You know, it's it's about... And I think that just evolves as you grow as a person. Yeah. Because you realize things that you wanted in your 20s is not what you wanted in your 30s. And it's not what you're going to want in your 40s. And hopefully it's not what you want in your 50s as well, you know. Because by that time, you've sort of figured out who you are and what you want oh it takes that long well rest of us are screwed (laughs) (laughs) i do get to 50 (laughs) no because by that time you realize that you know it's not just the handbags and the jewelry Mm -hmm. and the you know the chocolates and the wine and dining it is really about practical stuff yeah and you realize that when things start to go bad in your life and you realize, hey, is my partner there for me or not? Mm-hmm. And I feel that I, 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 w- I would value, if I was 20 years younger, I would tell girls that if that person is not there for you in the way you want him to be, run. <laughs> run now. <laughs> Because if he's not there for you today, he's not going to be there for you tomorrow or the day after. So, and then that this yeah. all goes back to your idea of first impressions, you know. So, mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I mean, I think I don't have the answers for that. There's no good way to explain that. Did you have a gut feeling about your husband oh, before God. he was your husband? Like, did you have like an all-knowing voice that was like, yes, marry this guy? Because you're such a big advocate of listening to your gut, right? Yeah. I don't think I had a gut feeling back then. <laughs> About him or like just life? Just life in general. <laughs> no, I think that um, he, his value system and my value system are, were similar. We both knew that, you know, we, we wanted a life with each other. We wanted a family. Um, and we both came from very similar cultures, religion, and so that sort of became the foundation for our relationship. And um, as I mentioned earlier, we, we've built a life, so we have made each other perfect for each other. So it's just, because I believe there's no perfect person out there. I just believe that at some point you're gonna you know if you think that oh this person is perfect for me there is bound to be one or two things that you're gonna be like I hate this about this person you know <laughs> yeah but with uh, with my relationship I feel like yeah it's you know he likes it's, his... a, it's a good 70 percent <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah maybe even more yeah you know? I mean if he's got his quirks I've got mine yeah but we make it work mm-hmm I mean, I think I wish that I had heard the stuff from my parents, you know, I wish that we, I, oh gosh, I wish I had a mentor back then, you know, that talked about what love is, what love could be, what your life could be, what you, your life could be with a man, without a man, you know, so I think, and I think I admire this you know, upcoming generation, because I think we're becoming a lot more aware of the fact that we are, I think it was you who said, you know, that I am enough for myself. <laughs> Did I? Oh, <laughs> damn. <laughs> I was like, yeah, girl, you are. <laughs> was it one of those things that I said during spin class or just like a I think it was coffee? on Valentine's Day. <laughs> of course it had to be Valentine's yeah. Day. Oh, that was a year ago. started taking uh spin classes uh, last january mm. so yeah yeah <laughs> no i always just i always felt like you had a great head on your shoulders and things that come out of your mouth are just so <laughs> deep and insightful i was like yeah it's i think uh, in some in a lot of ways we share a lot of similar values and i yeah. think it, i think that i always wanted to be around people that i could learn from that's so flattering that you keep me in your social circle then. Because, <laughs> I mean, I personally love having people who are older yeah. in my social circle and not necessarily just in age. Yeah. But like life experiences, life yeah. stage, you know, people yeah. who, who have a growth mindset who want to experience new things, learn new things. So you could be younger than me, but if you teach me stuff... Yeah. you're in there you go you're in and I think that's great because the growth mindset you know is you nailed it with that term is just 
I want to constantly keep growing in my life. Mm-hmm. I don't. If I ever get to a point where I'm at this at a standstill, I'm just gonna tell someone shoot me because <laughs> I'm done. Because <laughs> you have to keep growing. No great things came from comfort zones. Mm-hmm. So you got to get out of your comfort zone if you mm-hmm. want to do anything, you know. And it may feel really scary at first, you know. I last it was two thousand and. 19 December I did some skydiving and then two days later I did bungee jumping what the? and this is skydiving is not scary really because you do it tandem you're strapped to someone it's okay but the height and all yeah by that time you have no choice you gotta get out of the plane <laughs> like bye <laughs> the good thing is you're not pushing yourself right someone's yeah. pushing you yeah so you're yeah. sitting on the edge of the air you know of that little small plane and that I always remember that feeling of sitting on that edge of that plane and you know he's you know he asked me uh, the guy who I jumped with you know are you ready and I'm like yeah because I have nowhere to go from here <laughs> but you know so I did it at 15,000 feet with a 60 second free fall and that free fall I was so worried about because there you know you're just strapped to him and you're just yeah. floating in midair it's that free fall which was the best thing about the skydiving because you're just falling and there's nothing holding you and you're that, that air from the you know the air pressure is pushing you back up and you're just flying wow and it is the most amazing feeling in the world of just not having a safety net and just yeah. falling and then 2 days later i went bungee jumping and then <laughs> you know again that stepping on that edge where you look down and you're like mm-hmm. what am i doing to myself this is like mm, killing yourself you know but that step on that edge where you're feeling so afraid and so scared is a feeling I always come back to when I'm getting into something new or when I'm at that space in my life where I'm afraid I'm like no I remember this feeling it's very familiar and I got through it I jumped I got on a boat (laughs) they brought me back up (laughs) I didn't die (laughs) still here still here um so I think Getting out of your comfort zone is really important. And again, I think it takes practice. Absolutely. The more you do something, the better you get. The better you get at throwing yourself off the plane. <laughs> like anything in life, right? It takes yeah. practice. Nothing yeah. comes just like that. Right? So what is something that you are pursuing right now outside of your comfort zone? Let's not even talk about New Year's resolutions, right? Because what I found in the last year is that 12 months, you can't do shit. <laughs> You know, like, let's, let's scrap that New Year's thing. Let's just go with what's next. Yeah. So I, um, so apart from working and, you know, studying, I would like to start a podcast of my own. Oh yeah, I know. So I have, you know, it's going to be, so I've got a couple of ideas in my head. So that is one thing that will get me out of my comfort zone, making more like, I would love to make more cooking videos and putting it out there on YouTube. I would love to watch them. Because I want to, I think one of the issues I feel is that, especially in Singapore, not a lot of people cook. Mm-hmm. And if I could just show them how to make, you know, simple, sustainable changes in their diet uh, through videos. So putting myself out on video would be a little out of my comfort zone, but I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there in my time. And then I've always wanted to write a book. Tell us about that book. <laughs> 
you know, I'm honestly, I'm just, I'm forcing you to speak it into existence right now. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So when you need like a push, you can come back to this podcast and be like, okay, I'm holding myself accountable because yes. this is what I said. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I've always wanted to write a book on the gut brain axis and how we are looking at the disorders of the brain in um, a different light. Um, you know, again, the brain is connected to the gut, the gut's connected to the brain. Why are we not looking at the gut when it comes to depression? Why are we not looking at the gut when it comes to schizophrenia, bipolar, um, all mental health diseases? You know, we all see a, we see a disruption in the brain. We see more plaque in the brain, but then we also see disruptive microbiomes. And what if we could start, you know, people in their, if you have, if I have a client with Alzheimer's and he's in his 80s or 70s, why don't we start this earlier? You know, the educating individuals about the importance of diet and sleep. And so I would like to eventually write a book on um, how we can treat brain disorders. That book's going to happen. It is going to happen. Know. It is going to happen. <laughs> um, and I just feel that um, what I really want to focus on this year and the, you know, the upcoming years is to change the way the world looks at food. You know, let's start looking at food as, an, as your source of vitality and health and how this is going to keep me from getting sick and this is going to help me age better and this is going to help me perform better in the gym you know so that is one of the that is one of the ways I want to change the world and that is definitely out of my comfort zone <laughs> because you know it is such a big dream for me you know I'm just one little person you know but I think dream as big as you can your dreams can be big but take baby steps yes yeah, yeah. Yeah, so my baby steps are just, you know, like this platform that you've given me to be able to speak, you know, and I think I want to do more of these of, you know, just getting my voice out there. I loved having you on today's podcast. Oh, I it love. It was so much fun. I love talking to you all the time. I think we just, we, we, we just, click. We click. There you go. <laughs> All right, so tell us where we can find you. Okay, so my website is bioholenutrition.com. So it's B-I-O-W-H-O-L-E nutrition.com. And I'm on Instagram at biohole underscore nutrition. And uh, yeah, so, and I'm on Facebook as well as biohole nutrition. So I am more active on Instagram than I am on Facebook. Uh, but I do have... a fair bit of write-up on my website about the paleo diets and the ketogenic diets because I have tried both of them and um, yeah so that's for another podcast yeah (laughs) but um yeah so if you want to get in touch with me uh you can get in touch with me there but thank you again for giving me this platform it means so much to me I should be thanking you for coming on yeah really this has been so introspective i loved it great i always (laughs) learn from you this has been amazing vice versa